This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 988, a conversation with Sean Isaacs. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, this is a great ep- great episode. This is episode 988. It's a conversation with Sean Isaacs. Um, Sean is currently working with Jim Zub, uh, who was actually on our last episode, 986, on the upcoming Thunderbolts book. Uh, so I definitely recommend you check out that book. But uh, also, if you want to get a primer on a little bit of you know what uh, these creators have in store, uh, listen to this conversation, listen to the last one as you get a little bit about that. Uh, here we just jump in. Um, I wanted to know uh, but from Sean um, if what Jim said was true about how the ace in the hole uh, that he was going to get to work on Hawkeye was how he was able to convince Sean to work on Thunderbolts after an acclaimed run on Fantastic Four Life Story, which definitely sounds like it definitely put uh, Sean through the ringer, um, but uh, was, uh, from a fan, a great experience, uh, a great book. And anyways... Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, uh, you want to keep uh, tuned uh, to this podcast for episode uh, 990, uh, which I think is going to be a conversation with John Morrow. Uh, 992 will be uh, a discussion, hopefully, about uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. And then 994 is going to be a conversation with Michael Uslan, uh, who's well-known as the producer of every Batman movie uh, you've enjoyed in the last 30-something years. Um, so I'm really excited about both all, all, all those next three episodes. Uh, then we'll have two more I have to figure out some content for, and then we have the big thousandth last episode. So uh, it's, it's really coming. It's really happening. Uh, so thanks you for downloading this episode. If this is your first episode, please download more. Uh, there's a lot of great interviews in the back catalog that you can check out as well. Uh, you can also email me at comic shenanigans, sorry, comic shenanigans at gmail.com rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes and listen to us on Citra. I guess there's not much point in subscribing to the podcast much longer but if you want to make sure you don't miss uh, the next few episodes, you definitely should. Uh, so thanks for listening. Let's jump right into the conversation with Sean. It was a fantastic one and uh, I was very glad that he was able to make the time to jump on the show. Enjoy! Sean, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you today? Um, good, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I do want to jump into your, your history in comics and kind of getting in and kind of working through, but I do have to ask you something uh, that's much more recent. So I just talked with Jim Zub the last week, uh, and we were talking about how when he was going to be launching the new Thunderbolts book, uh, he really wanted to talk to you about being the artist on it and how Tom Brevoort was saying that, you know, he just did a team book, he just did all this Fantastic Four stuff, I don't think he's going to want to do that, and that Jim was really excited and almost salivating because he's like, I have an ace up my sleeve, he really loves Hawkeye. He's going to definitely jump at this book in order to illustrate Hawkeye. So is that pretty accurate? Yeah, no, that's pretty much exactly how it went. Because um, <laughs> Jim kind of contacted me on the side and he's like, hey, so I've got this pitch and he, I was like, okay, what is it? And it's like Thunderbolts. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I did Thunderbolts before mm-hmm. and like the whole like Fantastic Four life story was like very daunting. It was like a very taxing book for me. Like I was completely burnt out and I was wrecked and stuff and he was and he was just like so here's the pitch and it's uh, you know it's kind of like a superheroes with like Ted Lasso kind of kind of deal and I was like well I like Ted Lasso that's cool I like upbeat kind of things and he's like and so I'm like okay well who's on the who's on the team <laughs> so he goes through like the whole cast and stuff and then he goes and he's like and it's uh, and, and he's like basically Ted is poor guy and I was like ah. 
like I get to draw some Hawkeye stuff. And I mean, even even then, he was like, no, no, you're just going to help design these new characters and stuff. So I'm like, can I design other? Can I do characters like custom new designs for the other characters? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I mean, if you want to type things, so I was just like. Well, if this is a chance for me to do a new Hawkeye costume, then I'm gonna try, I'm gonna do it anyway. Like I kind of just sat down and started <laughs> drawing it, and I was like, I'll throw it at them, and if they like it, cool. If they don't, then it's fine. Because I was, for me, Hawkeye is just, you know, I'm a, I'm a classic Hawkeye fan, so I'm like, the t-shirt and jeans just doesn't do it for me. Like he's a superhero, he should be, he should have a costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I was designing his costume, I was like, I wanted to create some like synergy and stuff. So like. I borrowed a little bit from like his classic suit. I borrowed a little bit from um, his look at the end of the of the Disney Plus series, and I borrowed a little bit from the like suit he has in the Avengers game. And I kind of just mixed them all together and I came up with a suit. But like like the other characters, I'm like, oh, okay, they're kind of fun. But I really wasn't in the mood to draw them. And uh, when he said Hawkeye was in there, I'm like, okay, well, I'll put up with the other characters if I get to draw Hawkeye for like five issues or whatever. <laughs> So what what is it about Hawkeye that connects with you? And I guess what what is that original kind of version of Hawkeye that made you such a big classic Hawkeye fan? Um, well, I mean, like I've always I've always been like there are certain characters that I, I tend to gravitate towards, and one of those types of those archetypes of characters are like archers. Hmm. So like you, like I can tra- trace it all the way back to like um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I was just like, guys with bows and arrows are just so, like, cool, you know. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, Hawkeye, Green Arrow, like, my, I didn't even like Green Arrow that much. I, when I was growing up, I read a lot of, I was a big collector of um, other Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And I remember picking up one issue of with Speedy in it, with Roy Harper, and I was like, this guy is awesome. And then, <laughs> the first, yeah, I was, just, I was just like, I want to be able to do the stuff that he did. Um, but with Hawkeye, like I remember the very the issue that grabbed me um, was there was an issue of Avengers where like I can't remember which issue it was now offhand, but I posted about it a few times before where they fight like their dead their dead friends and enemies because mm-hmm. of the game uh, the Grandmaster he kind of pulls the Avengers West Coast in and makes them fight like a whole bunch of heroes and villains and stuff so like they're like um uh wonder man's brothers in there like they end up fighting him um you know it's got moon knight and all that stuff and i remember right at the end like cap was there and the grandmaster was like okay cool this is you guys are losing you guys you, they, they're all, everybody's kind of screwed and then hawkeye is the one that comes in he's like ah wait did you like games i'll play a game with you like all or nothing you know double or nothing <laughs> And um, the grandmaster's like, well, I can't, you can't say no to this type of stuff. And so Hawkeye does this thing where he's like, okay, he's gonna put, he's gonna put an arrow in each, in each hand, and he must, the grandmaster must guess which one has the arrowhead. He like does that thing where he holds them both behind his back and he holds his hands <laughs> first in the arrowhead, and the grandmaster has to pick one, and he picks one and he opens it and there's no arrowhead kind of thing. And the grandmaster's like, no, how could you win? Oh my god! He kind of like lets them go. And I think it was—I think it was Cap, Cap or US Agent. I think I've been Cap, where he's like, "How could you do this? Like, you risked all of our lives on this gamble." And like, Hawkeye hold, holds his other hand open, and the other hand also doesn't have like an arrowhead. And he's like, "Well, I cheated." And he's like, "Oh, okay." So you know, kind of thing. And I was just like, "Man, this, this dude is cool. Like, he's—he's he's like the 
the rogue dude that kind of you know like he, he's the, the ace in the hole the wild card that's unpredictable and I was just like he's, he's kind of cool he was Gambit before Gambit was around mm. do you know what I mean oh for sure yeah. and so that's sort of when I started like following all of these things and then there was like a really cool issue of Avengers where uh, they they fight I think the Masters of Evil come like they, they pretty much land right outside the Avengers mansion and uh, I remember that in that particular issue uh, um, She-Hulk showed up. I think she, she was. I think she was joining the Avengers, mm-hmm. and Hawkeye was giving her grief. He's like, she doesn't belong here. She's not one of us. And like by the end of it, like the two of them, like you know, kind of fought off uh, the the Masters of Evil, and then she like just picks him up and kisses him, and he kind of stands there like dumbfounded, and he's like, well, I guess that's okay. And I was just like, he was just like chill and cool and funny and like not like uptight or anything like that I sort of gravitated towards him that way so that's like got a long history of um uh like Hawkeye things that I've I've enjoyed mm-hmm. you know he's so, he's yeah. a very fascinating character he's one of the few that has you know uh, had a, a modern reinvention, which has kind of supplanted the classic versions. I mean, there aren't a lot of them, but I mean, obviously with Iron Man, like ever since 2008, everyone's trying to write kind of a riff off Robert Downey Jr. to a degree. And with, with yeah, Hawkeye, exactly. ever since Matt Fraction kind of revolutionized what Hawkeye was, it has kind of changed how people approach him. And so when I was talking with Jim, he was kind of, kind of saying that like, this is going to be a, you know, a little bit more like classic superhero Hawkeye as well, kind of pulling from the Hawkeye Freefall series by Rosenberg that was definitely felt more kind of getting back to who Hawkeye used to be before Fraction kind of, you know, and it, that was a great series and great run, but it definitely changed how people viewed that character up until that point. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, that, that, like that's the thing as well. Like, I remember I watched, so like, I was very, I was disappointed with the way they portrayed Hawkeye originally in the MCU series because he was like a family man. He was kind of like, really like low key kind of thing. Um, I think I think that's also partially because like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man kind of had a lot of the personalities of Hawkeye from the comics at the time. Mm. So I was like, I wanted I wanted the, the rogue Hawkeye that like you know he would just show up out of nowhere and like save the day or do some stuff and like I didn't get that. Um, so, but the, the the irony of that is is when I watched Hurt Locker for the first time. I saw Jeremy Renner, and Jeremy, Jeremy Renner's portrayal of the character in Hurt Locker was how I wanted him to play Hawkeye. Like, I watched him, and I was like, he should be Hawkeye. So when they cast him, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then, like, I see Hawkeye in the series, in the movies, and I'm like, um, okay. That's really <laughs> what I was expecting. But then they kind of went back to, like, like in the, the, the Hawkeye Disney Plus series, like, he was just awesome. Like, he was just... He played the whole, like, oh, my God, I don't want to be here. I'm, like, over this. Mm-hmm. Like, so well. And I was just like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I kind of did this version of Hawkeye now. And, like, I just love that they, they managed to do trick arrows and stuff. That was, like, a big highlight for me. Sure. I mean, like, the, I, like, I loved it so much that I took up archery for a while. I've got, I've got my bow here. And <laughs> I, I haven't been, like, a couple of years because I've just been so busy. But, like, I did I did archery for, like, a good few years. And I was I was really enjoying it. I want to get back to it. It's great, to, great therapy and... 
mm. and it helps you kind of business stuff. So yeah. I definitely empathize with you though, in terms of like this, there's something about that archer archetype that I've always loved as well. And I, again, I guess, it, as you said, it kind of comes from that earlier kind of Robin Hood. And then in the comics, there's a lot of cool archers and I've always kind of loved that. And when I was younger, I used to love doing archery and that kind of stuff as well. And there's just something about, I don't know if it's the physicality and the, you know, how visceral it is. And there's something satisfying about, you know, having, you know, an arrow and a bow in your hands. And so seeing it on the page and seeing all the cool things that artists like yourself are able to do with that is really exciting. So, as you're drawing Hawkeye, every time that you have Hawkeye doing a Hawkeye thing, do you have to kind of check yourself for a moment and be like, I'm doing this? Um, yeah, sometimes, but I think I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, mm. um, to be honest. So, like, I'll sit and draw something, I'll be like, oh, this doesn't seem super accurate. And then I'll spend like way too many hours just trying to figure out how to draw his hand holding the bow. And then I'll take mine out and I'll try and take like reference pictures and. You know, and then I'll be like, no, but it still looks weird because sometimes translating stuff realistically doesn't look cool. Mm. You know, and like also you got to like take yourself out of it and be like, I'm drawing. It's like it's like people were complaining like, oh, you can't do this stuff, you know, in real life. And I'm like, it's superheroes. Like they do superhero archery. They can do stuff we can't do. Like just mm-hmm. just deal with it. You know. <laughs> um, but I think the the whole I think the whole um, gravity gravitating towards like archer characters is because it's it's something that's doable like mm. we will never be spider-man climbing up the side of the wall like with just with no you know help but like picking up a bow and arrow and shooting it is something that's something we can do you know um the other archetype of characters that i tend to gravitate towards are also like anybody that's like a you know sea or ocean based character because i love i used to love swimming as a kid then you know, you hold your breath and you can kind of swim because it's something you can kind of put yourself in the environment of. So, like, Aquaman, Namor, like, those guys are, like, also, like, I, I really dig those guys because there's something about those. Like, we'll never be able to fly. So, like, as much as I love flying guys, there's just something special about the guys that you feel like you can do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and really- I deep into that because it's it's a very, it's a skill that can easily be learned that superheroes can do. Looking at your kind of uh, biography or sorry, bibliography of, of different things you've worked on at Marvel, there is a commonality that just show up from time to time, which is obviously is working with Jim Zub as kind of this uh, secret sauce of you guys working together. What is it about your collaborations you think that has worked so well? Um, I don't know. I think I, I think we both come from the fact that we're like we're fans that eventually managed to get into the business that we wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. so we can appreciate where we're at and what we do and like understand that it is a collaborative effort it's not you know like like I'm not his artist he's not my writer we like do things together he gives me a lot of uh, like free reign to do things to come with designs and you know he he trusts that I will convey like the emotion that he wants out of the characters when he sends the scripts you know mm-hmm. um, he, t- he told me that one of the reasons he likes using me is because I spent so long just working on expressions of characters and just trying to get like those looks to convey how they're feeling across you know I, I'm my own worst enemy so like I think everything I draw is awful but um, <laughs> trust me I'll just do my best you know um so I think that's that's sort of I mean even when he when he pitched this to me as like a Ted Lasso superhero thing I basically like before he even told me the script I said like you know Hawkeye is Ted and this guy is this guy and I don't want to spoil it for anybody but like 
you know, we were like on the same wavelength of like how to do stuff. Um, and even in issue, in issue one, like I said, he's like, we, we spoke about it for quite a while and issue one, I said like, okay, dude, if this is what's happening in issue one, then you have to refer to this. You have to. And I basically called up an old issue of, um, of West coast Avengers that I loved. And I was like, you have to <laughs> mention what happens in this issue in issue one of Thunderbolts, because I love that. And it would just be so cool. And so even on the page, um, when I did the layouts for a couple of those pages, it'd be interesting to see if the reader spotted it. But I did a couple of layouts that were the panel breakdowns and the angles are almost identical to certain pages within that issue that we referenced, just as like a, a mirroring kind oh, wow. of effect. Like, it'd be cool to see who, who picks it up. It'll be quite rad. I mean, there might, I be more, might be more people looking for it now. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it'll be it'll be cool if they can they can pick it up. Um, but I mean, like when he told me about issue one, I was like, I have to draw this. You know, I have to. Um, but the thing is, I was still. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. I was still very burnt out from Fantastic Four. So like, at some points, I like struggled to get through pages just because I mean, working on burnout is quite is quite hectic. But also, you know, when people come to me with an offer like I can't refuse, I'll like push through and then just sleep for a week afterwards. You know. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Just uh, when you if I if I had my way, if, mm-hmm. if I sorry, um, if I had my way, I would have like loved to have another like three weeks to draw issue one. But mm. unfortunately, that's not how it works. No, and, and I think for issue one is like a big one too, right? It's it's a full, isn't it? Like a thirty page. Yeah, it's thirty pages. Yeah. So it's not not just yeah, it's a big one. So a question that I have is that when you first kind of start breaking in at Marvel, um, and you're kind of doing you know shots here and there, like you know kind of uh, jumping in and doing uh, issues on different books until you kind of get an ongoing gig on Champions. Um, did you like kind of jumping in and parachuting into different issues and kind of you know cutting your teeth that way and getting used to you know different writers, different you know different uh, storytelling, or did you like kind of the consistency of an ongoing? Um. Like I mean, that's the thing with like most artists is we will we'll jump on a book and it literally takes us like three issues just to get used to how we want to draw a character. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, doing an ongoing is really cool because you get to, you know, your first couple of issues or you just kind of finding your way and then, you know, um, and then like your best work usually comes out after those issues are done. So like, like it does kind of, uh, you know. You, you kind of feel like you're just getting warmed up and the best stuff is ready to come um, before you get moved on to something else. And that's like, I think that's the biggest downfall of like moving from book to book. But the upside is like, oh, I get to draw these characters I haven't drawn before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anything that gets me to draw as many characters from the Marvel Universe as possible is is awesome. That said, if after Thunderbolts, I'm going to definitely ask to work on a solo book because I've literally... Since I started working at Marvel, I've only worked on team books, and like it'd be nice not to have to draw like seven people in a panel on every page. <laughs> that was kind of my next question. You, you it does seem like you have, for the most part, just been on team books. Is there something? Like, just, do you think there's a kind of a, an actual reason as to why you've just kind of been gravitating or been pulled onto these projects with team books, or do you think you work well with team books, or is it just something, as you said, where you know now that you've done so many of them, you're also kind of ready for a break where you're just focusing on one principal character? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't che- like, checked the marketplace, but I feel like with Marvel, there's a lot more team books than there are solo character books anyway. And I think that's just the thing. It's like, oh, we've got so many team books to put people on and so fewer, mm. so much fewer, you know, solo character books. I think that's basically all it is. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not, like, 
you know, George Perez where I can do like a million characters. Um, no, 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 as good as he is. So I don't think, um, I think I'm like, I'm, I'm adequate. I can do team books. And I think that's why I can also get team books is because, um, I'm pretty reliable and all the characters look consistent and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's always a good factor to have. Um, yeah. But I think, I think that's basically the reason there's a lot of team books and I'm, I can, I can still manage to make all the characters look unique. Mm-hmm. Speaking of George Perez, I mean, that's always one I'm curious what artists feel about, you know, his ability to do those group shots and those massive shots with those characters. Because it's one thing as as a fan to be like, oh, man, that looks so cool. But I can only imagine as someone who's also an artist who's been having to sometimes make those panels with all those characters, what your sense of someone being able to do that so definitely would be. Oh, dude, like the guy's a legend, you know, like I, uh, I never met him, but he is one of my like biggest heroes. Like I was a big, like growing up, like teen, teen books were like my thing, like teen heroes. Cause like I could associate with them. So like teen Titans and new warriors were like my go-to comics and like Robin and stuff. And like, I remember when I was younger, I got, I collected all, cause we didn't have like comic shops when I, like here, when I was younger, we had to, to find comics. You had to like travel all across Johannesburg, like to all the secondhand bookstores to try and find stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that would be like a once a week kind of deal. And, you know, I would always try and find for my Teen Titans books. And I remember um, when I got to high school, uh, you know, you get your first girlfriend and then all of a sudden you're not super into comics for a little while. And so, like, you want to take her to movies and stuff. So you end up selling a whole bunch of comics to the bookstores. And, and then you find out that she's really, really awful and you break up and then you're like, damn, I have to get all my comics back. And you just do this <laughs> whole search for, like, many, many years to try and find all these comics and stuff. And, like, the George Perez Titans, it was, like, a huge, huge influence. Like, his storytelling, the way he, like, he had, like, this realism. Like, you know, he wasn't like a Kirby where, like, it looked kind of, like, cartoony and kind of stuff. Like, it looked everything. All the characters looked so real. They moved. He put them, the backgrounds he put them in were, like, lived in. And, you know, I got so immersed in, like, their storylines and, um, like, how he managed to just put so many characters without like you know um, like he, he didn't cheat in any way kind of thing like no. you know the, you, there was no like shortcomings like every character had the same amount of detail no matter how far they were like and he could still produce books on time like he's a legend like no one can do that kind of stuff anymore like and if, and if someone can it's very very for sure you know? um, I, I was very upset when he passed unfortunately like it's the same as uh, Mike Ringo as well like mm. when I was younger never met the guy but, it hit, but those, these these the, they hit me hard man like it is you know you it's a living legend that's uh, passed on for sure with, with George Perez it always astounded me how like I remember when he did uh, Avengers Heroes Return and just looking at like his Scarlet Witch and like the ringlets in her hair and it was just like that's a lot oh, of yeah. detail to like their, and her hair is always consistent but I'm like how do you sit down and do that <laughs> oh, dude, I, don't, I don't if I figure out I'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, there's something about the way he made characters' hair always seemed very, like, you know, intricate. And I just, I was always astounded by it. I mean, even just, like, the the, like the, the, the way he did the characters' faces. Ooh, sorry. This thing's falling down in my, in my office, yeah? Um, the, I mean, if you look at his Avengers run, like, you know, characters would draw, you would draw, you have Hawkeye and you have uh, Captain America and, like, well, Stephen Clint. And without their masks, they're still, you know, Mm-hmm. white dudes with blonde hair but if you look at how George drew them 
Oh my goodness! Like you could tell, like you could put them two together, and you could tell who they were because their their faces, the shape of their faces was different. Like the lines highlighting the shadows and stuff was different. Like they were very distinctive faces. You could tell um, without any dialogue who you were talking to, like who was talking. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide that, like I, you know, not you want to be a comic book artist, and like how do you kind of make those inroads to try to work for Marvel? Like how does that part of the journey kind of play out? Oh wow! Do you have like three hours? Um, <laughs> My wife would say no, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I mean, when I was younger, my parents collected comic books. Um, my mother used to buy like Enemy Ace comics, and my dad was a big Green Lantern fan. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like pick those up. And as I got older, like I remember, we walked into the one like corner store, and they had like a, a you know a newsstand rack kind of thing. And there were comics on there, and I was—I remember being the first thing I was attracted to was like the the colors. Like as a kid, you're like, oh, red, blue, and yellow. Like what is this? You know, like you see like a Superman costume or you see a Spider-Man costume, and you're like, I want to see this stuff. And that's sort of where where it came from. And then I started going to stores and grabbing comics, and then I wanted to like learn how to like it helped me read because I was like, I want to know what's happening in these stories. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like in 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 school like early early on I would sit in the back of class in a little drawing corner and, and try and copy like John Amita Sr.'s Spider-Man picks or Bob Layton's Iron Man picks and I would try and redraw like from the panels you know I would basically copy them and uh, that's pretty much where it started like just constantly drawing and being like fascinated with these brightly coloured characters um, and then like I always knew that that's what I wanted to do um, and so like here's a bit of a story I'm sure everybody that's heard my interviews before know about this but um, at the end of high school I sort of had like my family wasn't well off so we didn't have we didn't have any money really so and because the internet was like just starting we would just I, I would think to myself the only way I can get into comics is by going uh, overseas and to America and trying to get into a convention and show my art yeah and I was I, I, I didn't know how to get the cash to do that so what I did was I signed up to uh, for an interview at a you know for camp counseling you know mm-hmm. you know summer camp and stuff and uh, there were people hiring there's a look there was a company that was hiring uh, for you know summer camps and so I thought if I can get a job on doing that then maybe on the off season I can try and hit the convention circuit and stuff and normally they it would, you would wait a few months before you'd get like a reply whether you got the job but they had this big open day um, where they could hire you on the spot you just go there you make an impression you show them your portfolio and mm-hmm. say what, what you what you can have to offer and that stuff and I was like very, I was very excited I was like I can, I can nail this I'm a people person I can do this <laughs> and um, that was you know, it was the coming Saturday. And then on the Thursday, my father came home and he was like, I have lung cancer. Can you please take over work um, until I'm well again? Oh, my and God. So, like, I could, and so I couldn't go. I couldn't. So I ended up having to, at 19, I basically started looking after, like, my mom, my sister, my dad, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pretty much railroaded me for, like, a good few years and... 
you know, to somebody, like, one job to the next, and then I was like, well, I need to make better money, so I ended up, like, putting myself through, like, a graphic design college, like, part-time, like, in the evenings, I'd work there, and then during the day, I'd have, a, like, a retail job, mm-hmm. and that went on for a while, and then eventually I graduated, and I got myself, I became a graphic designer at a local, like, um, newspaper uh, publisher, and then from there went to a slightly bigger publisher that did like you know billboards and magazines and that kind of stuff and I worked there for a while um, and then one day like literally they just called like 20 people into the office and were like oh god you guys are all losing your jobs because the company's not doing well uh, your last day is Friday cheers bye bye oh shit so yeah and so like I kind of I mean I've been doing that for like I've been doing like graphic design stuff for about 8 years at that point and so on that day I sort of just said uh I'm, I'm, I'm generally a positive person. I'm like, I try, try to stay positive no matter what happens. And I just thought to myself that this is the universe telling me I'm wasting my time doing a job that I don't like where I'm getting paid very little and that I should just need to like, refocus and do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that was back in 2010. And then for the whole of 2011, I struggled. Like, I had to move back in with my mom. I was making like very little money. I had to like cancel everything, ask for the bank to just put some stuff off, like make some money. Just like, now I was just freelancing. I was literally drawing anything I could for money. Um, and so, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to give you the short version, but it's actually just a long story. That's okay. <laughs> it's all interesting. I mean, it's, so, it's your life. It's, it, it definitely is an interesting story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that, I hope that all the listeners don't fall asleep by the time we get to the end. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, like, um, that was 2011, and at some point during that time where I was desperately drawing stuff, don't ask me all things I had to draw for people, um, but at some point there was a, um online comic called Gutters that I ended up doing a couple of pages for, because um, I was like, oh, they're paying for comic pages, and I did, like, a couple of them. The one, one page with the turnaround was, like, like, a few hours, I had to do a page in, like, something like eight hours, something stupid. And um, so I did that, and then I kind of forgot about it. They never, they never asked me to do anything else. And um, I ended up doing, like, storyboard work for a while. I managed to get an agent, and I was doing a lot of, like, advertising agency stuff for a good long while. And then, like, I don't even know how long, like, it's so, it was so long ago. And then, like, a year or two, whatever goes by, and then the editor that was on that webcomic, he sends me an email and he's like hey like I enjoyed working with you on our two little pages and stuff um, I now work at Dynamite uh, do you want to try out for uh, for this, this book called Pathfinder and I was like Pathfinder because I'm a big D&D nerd as well so like you know I have my role playing games and my Dungeons Dragons stuff mm-hmm. and Pathfinder is big like Dungeons Dragons and I was like I play Pathfinder like every Friday night with my buddies like of course I want to try and draw the comic book <laughs> so I managed to get that gig which is the first time I ended up working with Jim Zub on some stories in Pathfinder so and that's sort of how we met mm-hmm. and then um, the, like the short version is we worked on that and at the same time I worked on my uh, uh, creator own book Stray as well we got released that in, from, in, on Kickstarter as well which did pretty well well you know for an indie book mm-hmm. Um 
and then some time passes with that, and uh, the short version is that a few years passed. But now, pretty much since I lost my job, I had been sending Marvel like samples, like every year. Mm-hmm. I'd send them sample pages and be like, "What do you think?" And they would send like, send back like critiques and be like, "Your faces are inconsistent," which is why I'm obsessed about faces now all the time. <laughs> uh, or that I'd send another, and then like a year later, I'd be like, "Hey, here's some more pages," and like. They'd be like, oh, cool, your faces are better, but I can see that you're zooming the camera in a lot so that you don't have to draw backgrounds. And I'm like, damn it, you freaking, you caught on to me. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. And then, like, you know, the year goes past, and I, you know, work on my background and stuff, and I draw it, and so on. And all during that while, I'm, like, kind of doing other comics, you know, more Pathfinder stuff, more issues of Stray, and, um, you know, eventually I'm, like, I get, like, another... I, I say, look, listen, here's some of the work I've done already. Um, and I send them to Marvel. And the guy's like, okay, that's cool. That's the, These are all really good. Can you do a couple more samples of our characters? And I get like another like five pages of like Spider-Gwen to draw. Mm-hmm. And during that time, like it took me like six months to draw those pages because I literally just gotten a whole bunch of like advertising work that, I, that kept me busy. But like every like month or so, I would email and be like, "Listen, I haven't finished those pages yet. I've been like really swamped and I'm it's paying bills and all that stuff." And they just said to me like, "That's cool. Just do your best and send it when you're ready." And so eventually, I finished those pages and I had sent them in. And sort of while those pages were going in, and they like they liked them and they were just getting shown around. Apparently, um, that's sort of when. Jim Zub also said like needed someone to fill in on Thunderbolts so like he was asking around and my samples were going around to to the editors and stuff and then that's sort of how it happened you know? uh, because Jim had worked with me before and he liked working with me and so yeah that's sort of how like it kind of all came together over like many many years like from different things like building relationships with people and improving my skill and you know, trying to just put stuff out there and it's that all sort of converged at that moment, which mm-hmm. is very strange and I'm very grateful. I mean, it speaks a lot to your tenacity too, the fact that, you know, to, to keep sending them in, to keep working on them, to not get discouraged, but you know, again, taking them for the, you know, the constructive criticism that they were to get better, to, to know where to spend your energy on to get better and where, where your artwork needed to develop so that you could, you know, be able to sell more work. So, I mean, it, it really is a testament to you that you were able to kind of do that and not get discouraged or at least in the grand whole of it, not stop and keep moving forward and keep working on it. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, what else? You like, I, I've, I had this outlook. I mean, I've had some of the awful jobs. So I won't lie, some awful jobs. Um, but like, I, I had this out this 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 mindset like earlier early on, whereas like each thing I did was like a like the rung on a ladder. Like, this is where I got to go, and this doing this now will get me to this point. Doing that will get me to that point, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how my outlook on on life, and that's sort of how. It, like I just kept myself motivated that way like no matter how awful things were at the time um, it does help just trying to like reframe things and like be like and try not when things are tough like try not to live in the moment try and live for the potential future that you got mm-hmm. do you are, you are you able to look back at some of that early work and, or is it the type of thing where you can't even look at it anymore 
it's strange, man. Like I'm, I'm also one of those. Like I like my earlier work. <laughs> it's weird. That's <laughs> weird. Uh, you know, like some people say, like, oh, you know, you've made it when people come up to you and they're like, oh, I like your old stuff more. You know, and like, yet I feel that way about myself. Like I'll often, I'll sit like lately and and kind of look at something and be like, oh man, I don't know how to draw this, and it's like I just I've forgotten something, and then I'll literally go back to like my champions issues and I'll be like man I can't believe I drew this this looks so freaking cool why can't I do this now you know what I mean it's it's kind of weird (laughs) what was it like working on champions with Jim champions was awesome champions was a weird thing for me because so champions and the first thunderbolts were both very weird because I got excited to draw certain characters and then they never showed up in those books so so when, so when he asked me to do Thunderbolts I was like oh man I get to draw I get to draw Winter Soldier that's so cool because this was like it wasn't long after uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier movie so I was like yeah I get to draw Bucky it's cool and in the first issue he shows up in the last panel and I was like oh. <laughs> then the next then the next issue he's pretty much just locked in a room the whole time so I'm literally just drawing him in one kind of pose where he's kind of tied up in a, in a cell um and then he's like, oh, we're going to do champions. And I was like, oh, we get to draw my, my favorite mutant, Cyclops, because he's in the champions. I don't know. He leaves the issue before you start drawing it. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Why is this happening? Um, but then, like, I dived into champions. And, like, all these were, like, are, like, relatively young characters, right? So, like, it's not like I have this huge history with them. Um, and so I was, like, I was, I was kind of lackluster about doing it initially because I'm like ah you know it's the champions like I know I know of like Amadeus Cho and you know Miles and all that stuff but I have no like comic history with these characters like I've never read about them really or I mean here and there yes but it's not like super invested mm-hmm. but like as I was drawing that book I got so invested in those characters it was like it was like rereading a new New Warriors and Teen Titans book that I was getting to draw and I eventually started like love these kids it's like being heroes and trying to figure their stuff out um, so I actually kind of miss drawing them I'm not going to lie I do kind of miss drawing them they were very like moving characters um, and very and very unique and they have like different perspectives and it was really cool I mean also like it did have that the school shooting issue which was a very moving and difficult comic to draw um, so like I did invest you know like I, I spent I had I spilled literal tears drawing that comic like literally drawing a picture while I'm crying over my Wacom tablet you know kind of thing <laughs> my sense you know it's, it was just it was really it was really difficult so like how can you not be invested in these characters after like pouring these emotions into the into the book you mm-hmm. know so like I have a soft spot for all of those characters now which is why I'm loving the Miss Marvel TV show now like it's that's just awesome like you know for sure now speaking of you know, your run on Champions, so you also got to introduce a brand new character, Snowguard, which obviously meant a lot to Jim in terms of adding in a, a new character, a Canadian character. What was it like developing the, you know, the uh, the the uh, appearance of that character? Oh, man. Um, that, uh, there was a lot of pressure on that. Like, I remember when it was first sort of mentioned, I remember being on Twitter and people were like, oh, they're going to mess this up and, you know, like, what's she going to look like and all stuff. So there was a lot of pressure and I was like, I was just... You know, relax. I'm, I'm going to do my best, and so I spent days just researching like clothing and customs and like tattoos and reading articles on the tattoos that the that the woman get, and I was just like also like very like moving stuff. And um, 
I spent really long. I think I did close to, um, I think it was like 27 costume designs. And like my editors only ever saw like maybe half of them, if not like a third of them. Because I would do them and I'd be like, no, it looks too much. Like it took two derivatives of this character. You know, like when one costume looked like, looked like I, people would have said to me, oh, you're just redrawing Korra from like Avatar. So I was like, <laughs> no, I'm scrapping it. Um, so it took me a while and then I would sit and critique it and I'd like, you know, go over it and over. So I've got a folder full of costume designs that I did for her that I was just like, no, they're not good enough. And then eventually when she does show up and she does show up in costume, because I think the first, uh, the issue where she first appears before she actually becomes Snow God like came out and everybody was like really going over um, you know worried about what she's going to look like and then when she does, did show up I remember people like uh, a few uh, doubters messaged me and they were like you know this is really cool her costume is great you know she's got a cool look and it's it's very true to the customs and all that kind of stuff so I was very proud I actually I, uh, I'd love to do more with her to be honest I have this like I keep on saying to Jim, and I posted on Twitter before where I'm, the, I'm like, why is there not a book called Snow God and the Alpha Flight? Like, it should just be, it should just be a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just the, the character needs more, more coverage, and also just like, you know, the characters outside the US because, you know, I want to. I've, I've seen like all my favorite Avengers comics have come and gone already, and I, you know, I've read about Cap winning the day and all that stuff. It'd be cool to see other heroes in other places with other mythology and what. Um, I think Jim wrote that uh, the one story in that what was it Alpha Flight First Flight special? Yes. Um, no God in it and like uh, drawn by Marcus Toe and like that was amazing. I was like, let's see more of that kind of stuff. You know, I really have in my head. I have like my team lineup for a new Alpha Flight. I like one of my side projects that I want to do if I ever have the time, which I never do. I've got a whole lot. I've got a folder of things that I want to draw, and one is just a mock cover of Snow God and Alpha Flight, where I can draw my my whole team lineup, and I can just make this fake fun cover and just be like, "Yeah, this is what I want to draw." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking to the right audience. I mean, I'm a Canadian, so I'm already like, I'm already on board. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I want. I'm busy thinking now. Like, one of my aside from her being on the team, the other character I want on the team is. Um, uh, it's late. My brain is tired. Um, it is uh, James Hudson. You know the the blonde Wolverine from the Ultimate Universe. Oh yeah, and he was in the he's in the normal universe now, and no one knows what to do with him. And like I remember reading a couple of comments with him, and I was like, I, I dig his attitude. He's like he's like a more sarcastic and quippy version of Logan, and he, but he just needs his own like thing, and he would be like a great addition to like Alpha Flight. So he'd be my, my second pick for the team, and then like. A Sasquatch, of course, because Sasquatch is like my favorite Alpha Flight member. Also, he's just so much fun to draw. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what's not to love? He's a giant, you know, um, furry monster. <laughs> he's a giant naked furry monster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious from a, from an artist standpoint, what was it like to work on a project like No Road Home for Avengers? Because obviously, you know, you're dealing with multiple different writers kind of working together, collaborating. So as, you know, one of the principal artists, what was it like to kind of work on that kind of project? Oh, that, that was awesome. Um, so No Road Home, um, like, I mean, the script, the script comes through and it's like, it's everybody's got their, their notes and the way that they write stuff. And like, I, there wasn't a lot of, 
you know, like hand-holding. It was like, yeah, go to town. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I loved those group of characters. I like working on, like, the lesser-known characters because I can try and sort of give them my own kind of flair. Mm-hmm. But also it was just such a, I don't know, it was just like a different kind of story. Um, especially, like, the whole thing with the vision and how you know he kind of goes outside the comic and I mean my favourite part is I think issue 10 which is where I just get to, I just got to draw like a whole bunch of classic Marvel characters um, and getting to draw them in their, in their classic you know looks is, is a treat for me you know like the 12 year old me was like losing his mind <laughs> I mean, you, you definitely got a treat as well. I mean, in issue six, you get to spend a lot of time with Conan as well, which obviously is a character that means a lot to Jim. Um, and, you know, this was kind of Conan's big, you know, he's being used in a, in a Marvel story um, after so long where Marvel didn't have the license to the character. And obviously now they also don't have the license to Conan anymore. So what was it like to be able to do so much Conan action? Did that resonate with you? Was Conan a character that you cared much about or was it still a lot of fun to draw? Oh, dude, like, the funny thing is, is, like, Jim told me, like, I think a couple of months before we even get got started, before I even got started on the book, he said, like, hey, you're going to be drawing some of these issues, um, and in this issue, we're bringing in, like, a character, and he's like, you'll never guess who it is, and I'm like, who is it, and I, I hounded, hounded him to find out who it was, because I was like, you're driving me mental, I need to know who this character is now, like, who is it, and eventually he said, okay, but you can't tell me, what you got, I'm like, I won't, I won't, and he's like, oh, that's Conan, and I'm like, you are kidding me. And then I literally like I think that week I went to go and play D and D with my buddies on like a Friday night. And I was like, You guys won't believe who I get to draw and they're like, Who? And I'm like, I can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> And that was how it was. Like I would go and tell people, I'm getting to draw some something so freaking cool, but I can't tell you what it is and they would just be like, Oh my god, Sean, can you just shut up already if you're not gonna tell us? And I'm like, I can't. Um and then eventually I got to like I got to draw Conan and like his pages were so much fun because I also love uh, because I'm, I'm a big, I love fantasy stuff, and so one of the fun things about drawing anybody with a sword is trying to choreograph a fight scene with a guy wielding a sword. Mm. So, you know, during the action scenes, I try to do that, and uh, it does play to you know that total fantasy kind of stuff that uh, I really do get a kick out of out of drawing. You know, um, and kind of it was cool because you kind of trying to channel like his old looks, but make it your own. It's it's the same as what I did with Sasquatch, for example, is like you kind of look at all how the, the classic looks of these characters. So like for Sasquatch, it was like John Burns Sasquatch, but then mm. take that, do it my way, or, you know, and then look at Conan and look at Bushima's Conan and try and do a spin on that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool just getting to, to be part of that story and then be the guy that helps to introduce him into the Marvel Universe for the first time. Well, that's not definitely not the first time like he was there before but I mean you know what I mean oh, for, sure. for the modern audience exactly the modern audiences they've never really seen Conan ever be in a, a Marvel book especially interacting with characters like the Scarlet Witch so that was a big deal um, in that in that for first me, like, I, remember, I remember when I was a kid I picked up that issue of what if Conan fought Wolverine and it blew my <laughs> mind when I like you know back in I think it was back in the 80s and stuff I saw that I was like oh my goodness this could actually happen now you know Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a classic cover for sure. So one thing I, I really appreciated about that, I, I guess the the first main issue that Conan really showed up in, um, you you did such a, a brilliant rendition of Scarlet Witch. Like she was just, especially in that specific issue when she had all that time that she spent with Conan, um, she just looked gorgeous, and your your work on her was just amazing. 
Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, Scarlet Witch, I, I drew her, I mean, before before she showed up in that issue with Conan, I got to draw her in, in, in Uncanny Avengers for a while. That's right. So, you know, I, also, I, I spent a lot of time with her so I could kind of nail down the look that I wanted for her and stuff. So it was just nice to, like, redraw her again. But then also make her not look, you know, like she had, you know, full superhero gear on, like, you know, she kind of uh, had to look more fantasy-esque because, you know, clothes got torn and she had like a you know like a cloak another cloak around her and all that stuff and that was that was sort of fun and trying to you know get the tension between the two of them um on the page now what uh, what led to your being tapped to be you know the the regular artist uh, on fantastic four for a spell like what was it like kind of getting that gig oh dude uh, it was so funny because a couple of years before that i remember saying to a friend of mine i'd be like oh man i would dig to you to be able to draw Fantastic Four one day, and then it happened. And um, I think the, the coolest thing was getting told, um, you know, I'm working with Dan Slott, and Dan Slott sent me this message and this email and basically said, like, I get to draw one of the coolest things that's on his bucket list to have working on the Fantastic Four, and that's a Hulk versus Thing fight. <laughs> and I was just so stoked but I mean that first issue of that I drew like the, I wish I could kind of redo the first like I think four pages where I was just trying to figure out how I want to draw the thing because if you, if you open that first I think it's issue 12 that first page when you see the thing compared to how I draw him like three pages onwards it's completely different because it, it did take me a couple of pages to figure out like this is how I want to draw him um, but yeah like it was it was that was definitely a hard of my career I won't lie um, being able to just draw like those that fight for those two issues, I even said if if that if I had my way, I'd be like, can can both those books have an extra five pages that I can just draw of them fighting? Because a lot of the fight stuff, you know, Dan was like, oh, you know, they they hit each other, he hits him, you know, <laughs> yeah. This is sort of what happens. Just you know, make us men cool. And so, like in my head, I was busy, like well, I was busy doing sketches and I was planning the fights and how I wanted him to, like the moves and like hitting him with a tree and all that kind of stuff and in my head like I had I had like another five pages where it was just like the thing like wounded you know you know kind of making his way through like the jungle with the Hulk stalking him just to make it like seem even more like scary you know I had like a whole lot of stuff but I had to like <laughs> narrow it down so I could uh, fit it into the, the pages mm-hmm. um but I often go back and I'm like, it's, it's definitely some of my favorite work that I've done. When, um, when you're working with Dan, and Dan is obviously a very, you know, a little bit more loose sometimes with his plots compared to some other writers. Do you like a looseness there where it is kind of more on you to kind of figure out some of the general choreograph, sorry, chore, choreography? Or do you like a, a, a more tightly knit um, plot, which gives you like much more specific directions where you can still have to figure out some, some of the angles, etc. But there's a little bit less of you having to kind of internally figuring, you know, out what everything looks like visually. Uh, personally, I like I like sort of a middle ground um, where it's like, okay, cool, I'd, I'd like these kind of things, but the rest is like up to you if you want to change some stuff. Um, I think because that's part of the collaborative process. But I think for me, especially when it comes to like you know, when it comes to like the normal stuff, like you know, people sitting and talking, and character interactions and stuff like this, I don't mind if someone wants to get like a little, um, a little more detailed on that stuff. But like, I love drawing fight scenes, so 
when it comes to that stuff, I'm like, just let me, just let me, just let me have fun, and I'll come up with something cool, and that's that's sort of how I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I grew up, and you know, right next to like George Perez was for me Alan Davis, right? And Alan Davis choreographed fight scenes so well. There was that there's that issue. The very famous issue where it has Wolverine and Sabretooth on the cover. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the two of them tearing into each other for like pages. And like you can see the, the, the fight scenes like choreographed so well in that. Um, and then I remember reading also there was a Batman and the Outsiders where Batman's fighting uh, Cobra. And the two of them are just climbing into each other. And you can see the, the choreographed fight scenes, like the, the little, uh, you know, moves that they're doing on each other you know from panel to panel and like that stuff that's that's my like bread and butter when I'm drawing comics you know mm-hmm. um, so when it comes to fight scenes I, I like to have a little bit more free reign on so I can be creative and change the pacing of the fights and all that stuff if anybody picks up my stray comic that I did with Vita Del Santa as well um, we both came up with stray he, he was our answer to like you know we were both Nightwing fans and uh, we were like, oh, well, we, we might never do Nightwing, so we're going to do this book. Hmm. And the fight scenes in there, I just went to town with. It has some, like, it has, like, some really cool things I came up with um, in there. Like, I, I'm really proud of that book. Okay. Now, I only have about five more minutes, I, th- I think, with you, so I, I'm going to keep this one close, uh, quick, but I'm very curious about your work on Fantastic Four Life Story, which you already mentioned kind of, you know, was really kind of put you through the ringer and made you feel a little a little burnt out at the end because of how intensive it was. But first, I want to say, just as a fan, absolutely love that series. Um, I mean, I when they said they were going to do a new life story, I was a big fan of the Spider-Man one. I was like, well, that's a tough act to follow. And you guys, you know, really brought your A-game and did an amazing job. It's so emotional. Um, it's surprising at times uh, in terms of the, the directions it goes. It really takes a lot of chances with the characters and really puts them through their paces. Um, so first of all, thank you just as a fan because you did a, a beautiful work. Um, but what was it about this book that really did kind of tire you out? Um, was it just that insane attention to detail and really putting yourself to a high standard or what was it that really kind of, uh, you know, made you exhausted? Um, so like, I mean, like there's a couple of issues where they had to get in help to help me out just to make deadline and stuff because I was just, I was pushing it like late nights and I just still couldn't keep up to speed. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of detail and stuff in there. There was a lot of, the thing with a book like that, where they're trying to ground it more into reality and stuff made me want to do like a pull to pull a George Perez I know I've mentioned him a lot I guess he's on my mind mm-hmm. but you know, I wanted to put that extra, extra effort into the backgrounds and ground the FF into a, like a, a real setting so like I would spend way way too, too long on like backgrounds and you know Google searching like the interior of an, of an apartment and trying and picking and choosing furniture to put in there and you know, like putting the city stuff in the background. You'll see in the later issues, though, I start skimping a little bit on backgrounds, but that's just because I'm so freaking exhausted and I was just trying to get to the finish line. Uh, there was one page, I remember I was so excited to do it um, in the last issue. I was so excited that, like, I wanted to leave it for last just because I wanted to have the energy to do to do it justice. And by the time I got to it, I was just so burnt out that I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I... I phoned it in. I phoned that page in, and then Nolan Woodard, who is like a lifesaver, like I, I love that guy, 
and um, he just like whatever I put down he just elevated it to a whole other level and made it look good um, but you'll see that early on like I just try to ground it into reality and so like that takes like a lot of work like looking at places I mean in the one issue they had to um, they had like I mean actually in a couple of issues they go to the United Nations and they have like a big meeting in the United Nations mm-hmm. and I'm just like part of me is like I want to draw every single person in that room that's in that meeting hall but then realistically I can't do that like I, I, I didn't have it in me I don't have that skill so I was just like how can I give the illusion of that while still like having enough time to get the pages out and to just focus on the characters because at that time I just wanted to focus on the heroes but yeah that's basically what tied me out it's just like it was a lot of research it was a lot of mm-hmm the FF going to like real life places that I needed to research and try and find like just get doc like folders and folders full of pictures to reference so I could try and make it seem as real as possible. What, what was the pitch like to you when you when the, I'm guessing they came to you and said, Hey, do you want to draw this book? I mean you had recently obviously been doing Fantastic Four, so it's not like you were unacquainted with the main characters. Um, and now they're going to be doing something which is, again, the second of these life story miniseries. So there is some precedent in terms of, you know, what the original one looked like when Mark Bagley did it. So, you know, first of all, what who, what was that conversation like when they kind of pitched it to you? And what were the thoughts going through your mind about, you know, should I should I do this? Because, again, you just done Fantastic Four. This is, you know, a sequel, just a name only of a, another life story. So was that, um, I guess, was that intimidating or was that even on your mind at all? So... I think the, the biggest thing for me was like I mean it was more it was FF it was telling their story I mean they pitched it as like you know every issue was a different decade my first thought was like I get to draw the characters in all the costumes that they've had while I was growing up that was, that was my first thought I didn't think about anything else and I was like yes I'll do it because I get to draw all the FF costumes that I've grown up looking at and if the other characters in the Marvel Universe show up I get to draw them in their like in their eighties gear, in their nineties gear, and so on. Um, and so that that kind of sold me on it. I think the only thing that I struggled with is also it wasn't like the series wasn't action heavy. Hmm. Um, so like you know, it was a lot of people talking a lot of the time and conveying emotion, and that like fight scenes are like fun. They're like the they're like the icing on the cake, hmm. but the cake has to have the, has to have you know the, the base and. That to me takes a different set of uh, like brain power to convey an emotion on facial expressions and to try and make it interesting. Because I mean, that's the thing, right? Like there'll be pages and pages, like twenty, there'll be like twenty-seven pages in a single issue of like characters just talking and meeting and going to different locations. And like my job is to make that seem interesting or at least look visually interesting because you don't want to necessarily sit and see people, two people talking all the time. Um, and that took a lot of energy to do. Um, whereas, like, you know, action stuff is like, oh, wow, I get to draw this now. How can, like, I just have to draw a character punching and I just have to make it look like the coolest punch ever and I could put speed light in the back and it's fine. But there wasn't a lot of that. And so, like, when it's just people walking around doing stuff, again, it's, you have to Set, you have to put them in a setting, put them in backgrounds, and you can't really. I didn't want to really cheat. Um, but that said, like, I'm still proud of what I did, and I still got to draw all the costumes that I wanted. I literally went every time there was a new issue set in a different decade, I would go, I would look for costumes, and I'd, I'd send um, an email to like Tom Briefett, and I'd be like, 
can I draw them in these costumes? And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> uh, I remember like like the Wasp is sort of shows up in I think it's issue three. I think it's a I think it's the seventies issue or eighties. I don't know. Well, it's, it's all a blur. Um, and I remember trying to find like a specific a specific costume for that year, and I spent like I think like half a day just looking to find a costume from like that she wore in one issue during that year and I used that one you know that kind of stuff mm. just like small fan things that I thought would be cool and then like the the like 80s issue I got to draw you know like some bit Spider-Man and what and the Silver Centurion because like why not you know Oh, for sure, yeah. I definitely noticed that in the 80s spread. I uh, just seen because the, the 80s had very specific kind of designs that a lot of those characters showed up that were very different. Like, as you said, Scout Centurion are the armor. You got Thor in the armor. Like, they're very distinctive. So seeing that spread was pretty cool because, again, you get the, all those 80s versions. Yeah, I mean, like, that was that was the reason I wanted to do the job because I could get to draw these things that I probably never would again. Um, but then also, like, there were certain issues that were just so moving. Like, I got to draw, like... I got to do this heroic moment with um, with Johnny Storm that I was just you know, I put a lot of work in there because I wanted to like really make people feel stuff and make it as heroic as possible and like that was the stuff that just juiced me up to to carry on with the series even when I was like I was like done and half one foot in the grave I was like this this is what's making it worth it like these moments mm-hmm. or you know, or when like Ben confesses to stuff to Alicia and you know when you see um Sue and uh, uh, you know just becoming like the, the being awesome and the, the the you know doing her marches and stuff like those pages as well like you know uh, Northern Wood I just I would have like an idea of how I wanted a page to look and then like it would it would be almost like Northern would send the pages back to me and he would take my idea and just shoot it full of adrenaline and that's what it would come out like, I'd be like oh my god this is even better than I pictured you know so like when I got pages back from him as well like it just reinvigorated me to keep on going you know and that's that was the cool thing about when you when you work with uh, someone that you gel with and you have like um, you're basically on the same page kind of thing excellent well, Sean, thank you so much for taking so much of your time. I know it's again, it's in the evening for you, um, so thank you for uh, staying awake and uh, talking about your work. It's uh, as I said, it's been a pleasure to see how you develop and the different projects you show up on. And again, I loved Fantastic Four Life Story, so even though it was definitely burned you out a lot um, as a fan, I really appreciate all the work you put into it because uh, it was such a fantastic looking book. And as you said, it's at times a little light on the action, but it was very heavy on the pathos. And I think you did a really great job with all the character acting uh, that. You had to bring the life to really sell the emotions so uh as a fan i really appreciate that and as a thunderbolts fan cannot wait to see what you do with uh with hawkeye and uh, working with jim oh thanks man uh, yeah let me know if you spot uh if you figure out which issues we're referencing and if you can spot those uh, panels that i put in there absolutely well now i'm on the hunt for it awesome excellent well again thank you so much cool thanks man and yeah if you want to give me a shot if you ever need like someone to uh you know, talk comics for like an hour or two. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll die. Be careful. I might take up on it one of these days. That's what, I mean, this is my social life. I'm stuck behind a drawing desk all day, so I've got to talk to someone. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Take it easy. <laughs>